We are in our final part of our series that we have been doing here at Homestead, Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. This is the sixth week we've been doing this, and here's the, if, you're, if this is the first time you've been here, you're coming in at the end of the story, so I'm going to try and get you caught up. Essentially what we've been doing is we've been uh, patterning this series off of the verse in Matthew, also a verse in Deuteronomy, the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we have been looking at our souls, and our souls really encompassing our whole self, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, it's all wrapped up into our soul. God breathed life into our soul. And so we've been looking at, how's your soul? And hopefully you've been asking yourself some questions over the last few weeks. How is your soul? We don't need that script. Oh, we can... There you go. We'll get to that in a second. Sorry, Charlie. I threw you for a loop there. Um, We've been looking at how's our soul, asking ourselves the question, is something wrong? Is there something that needs to be addressed? Our bodies, our minds, our spirits, they do a great job at letting us know when something is not right. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and my back lets me know something is not right. And the answer is I'm 46 years old and that's what's not right. Our bodies have a way of doing this. Sometimes it's anxiety, depression. It can be more complicated than that. Sometimes it's just physical pain. Sometimes it's trauma that we've gone through and we've never really addressed it. Sometimes it's a relationship thing that is just not feeding us with life, but it's dragging us down, a friendship or a coworker, something like that. We've talked about physical things. We've talked about resting, taking a Sabbath, taking vacation having times of quiet where we unplug from all the noise. And this can be physical rest or mental rest. We need it. Our bodies will let us know when it needs rest. In one week, we talked about what's imp- the importance of what's on the inside. What are you allowing in? What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? Is there bitterness or anger or unforgiveness that you need to just get through? We also talked about what are you letting in as far as media what, are you, what do you have an appetite for as far as TV, movies, internet activity? We talked about community and relationships, that we are a community of people, and healthy souls need a healthy community, right? All right, we're going to need a little more response today. I know it's a long weekend. Healthy souls need a healthy community. And then last week we talked about this, getting rid of our routine life, that our souls need movement. Healthy souls need to grow in their faith. Healthy souls need to live a life that has a little bit of adventure in it, that's a little bit more than just the routine of going to work, paying the bills, and taking the kids to gymnastics. Because after a while, that starts to feel a little bit old. Um, So we need to feed our souls, to enlarge our world, to have something that breaks the routine, and most importantly, to grow in our faith, to put ourselves in environments where we will grow in our faith. So that is the recap, all of it based on that verse in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. Now you can throw that one up there, Charlie. Sorry, I jumped the gun there. This is the greatest commandment, and they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So when you look at all of these things that we've talked about, and even in the recap, as you've listened to all the things over the last six weeks that we've talked about, you might be led to think that spiritual health and a a healthy soul is when we're focusing on ourselves and what we need. Well, do I need rest? 
Do I need better community? Do I need to change something physically, rest or diet or exercise? Do I need different things, media or whatever it is? What, what do I need to have a healthy soul? And it's easy to think, well, if I focus primarily on myself, then I will have a healthy soul. Well, last week I gave the little teaser that today as we wrap up this series, we're talking about the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference in you having a healthy soul. I called it the secret sauce to a healthy soul, right? Ooh, what's the one thing, the secret sauce to a healthy soul? Well, it is found in the very next verse. Jesus continued in verse 39 and 40. Can we throw those verses up there? Jesus continued on and said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying everything you've read in Scripture, at that time it would have been the Old Testament, all the rules of God, all the prophets, all the things can be summed up on those two things. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We must put care and concern for others as equally important as care and concern for ourselves. Amen? All right, we're getting there. It's easy, and we must put care and concern for others as equally important as care for ourselves. And this is not like Jesus is saying, I know it feels way better to care about yourself, but you should probably care about some other people once in a while. It's probably a good idea. Like going to the dentist, like flossing, okay? Not flossing. <laughs> flossing. Sorry, kids can't unsee that. Um, it's easy to think like visiting the dentist. It's no fun. It doesn't feel good, but it's probably a good idea to do it once in a while. That's not what Jesus is saying about caring for others. He's not saying, ah, it's, it's going to be no fun. You're not going to get anything out of it, but it's probably a good idea. We will find, and what we find Jesus is teaching, and what we will find as we do this, is that when we focus on helping others, our soul comes alive. Right? If you've experienced that, when you help others, all of a sudden you're like, man... That's like nourishment for my soul. That is nourishment for my life. We are benefited. It is the secret sauce to having a healthy soul, caring for others. And it goes against everything we're taught in this world where it says, just look out for yourself. But the true way to joy and having a soul that feels alive, having a soul that is healthy, that is nourished, is when we care for others. Because selfishness is a soul crusher. It's a soul killer. If you want to find the quickest way to be miserable and empty and discouraged and lonely, make it all about you. And there's very practical ramifications. If you're a person that is always just about you, well, that's obviously going to affect your relationships. You're going to be wondering, why am I feeling lonely all the time? It's because you're selfish. It's not a spiritual attack. It's just sowing and reaping. You know, it's one of those things, if you're not a nice person, people aren't going to want to be close to you. That's very pragmatic elements to this. But selfishness is a soul killer. When you make it all about you, in spite what the world tells you, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. And we've got so many people in our world that are making it all about them who are miserable. All their time is focused on them. All their resources are focused on them. Their concern is focused on them. And they are not healthy soul people. And maybe you're here and you're experiencing that today. But not only is this a way to worship God, not only is this a way to say, God, you told me to do this to care for others, but we're going to see that it's a benefit to our soul, and that's what we're going to look at today. 
There's a verse in 1 John 3.17, and it says this. 1 John 3, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? If anyone has material possessions, if we have stuff and we see others who are in need and yet we have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in us? Jesus teaches that care and concern, specifically for the poor, is on the same level as our worship of God. It's that important. What we were doing today, worshiping God, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's important. And Jesus' is teaching on the same level is care and concern for that person who needs help. Neighborly love is the natural outflow of people who know God. That's what that verse is saying. If you know God and you have the love of God in you, so that's all of us who are followers of Jesus, the outflow of that, how we show that is when we show that love to other people, when we have care and concern for other people. And you see this throughout Scripture, cover to cover. God is not tentative in his care and concern for the poor and the sick and the orphan and the widow. He's not reserved in his care for them. God is extravagant in his eagerness to help them, to defend them, to have compassion on them. And God's people, that's us, must do nothing less. Amen. Excellent. We must do nothing less. This is how we show that we have the love of God in us. Last week when we talked about living a life that's beyond the routine, one of the things I said was it's important to experience the big world, to people in other cultures, people around our cities. It's important to get out of our little Farmington bubble because one of the reasons is we can get caught in a very small world mentality. We can forget that there are billions of people around the world who need help. There are people in our community that need help. There are people in our state. They need help. One of the reasons to get out of our bubble is to recognize the plight of so many in our world. It's one thing to see it on TV or to read about it, but when you experience it firsthand, when you go to another country and you see poverty that billions of people are dealing with, it changes you and it helps us get out of this routine and it helps us recognize, yeah, we have the love of God in us. We have a way to help. We need to show that love by helping those who are in need. Our daughter Lucy is uh, in Zambia for a few months. She's our oldest. She took a semester off of college to go sit day with my parents in Zambia. And she's been writing a blog, and I've been enjoying talking to her about her experiences and then reading her blog. And she told a story that she experienced last week. There was her and a couple of friends at the college that she's made, a couple other students, and they went out, and there was one guy who said, we go out and we feed the street kids. We can bring, bring food to the street kids. And Lucy's like, well, what's, you know, what's that all about? And well, there is a large, very large orphan population in many parts of Africa around the world. There's a large population of young boys specifically who are homeless, who are orphaned, and they live together on the streets. They just live on the streets. And they found that there is comfort and protection in numbers. So they've kind of found a spot in Kitwe, Zambia, where they live homeless and so these students go and they feed them. They bring food to them once in a while. So Lucy was a part of this. And she wrote about this and she told me it was heartbreaking to see their need. Yet they were all, you know, nice, polite, happy. But yet they, need, they had need. And so they fed as many as they could with the food that they had. And when the food ran out, Lucy said there was a young, probably five-year-old boy who came up. 
crying tears in his eyes, saying he was so hungry, he didn't get any food, he didn't get any food, was there any left? And Lucy was heartbroken, and she said, I knelt down and I hugged him, and I said, we don't have any more food, we ran out, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And my comment to her was, in an experience like that, the need is so great, you always seem to run out of food before you run out of kids. We've experienced that. But that night, Lucy wrote, and she told me that night, certainly I was more grateful for what I had. That night, I sat down to eat, and I recognized there are a lot of people who would really like this food. And she was mindful of that. Her takeaway from that was, amongst other things, about her need to help. Her takeaway was, I'll be more grateful for what I have. I have greater gratitude for the blessings that I have. I have greater contentment for the things that I have. I hope I never take those things for granted again. And certainly, those are key things to a healthy soul, right? If we could just have gratitude for what we have, if we could recognize how blessed we are, all the time we spend filled with angst and worry about what we don't have, if we could recognize the things that we have compared to billions of people around the world, things like clean water, clothing, food, transportation. Again, billions of people don't have those, don't have those things. And it's those billions of people Jesus is referring to as our neighbors when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. When you see those in need, care for them. And not only is that going to help them, that is what the key is to a healthy soul. Also close to God's heart is caring for the widow, helping the single mom, caring for the orphan. I love in our church that we have families who are adopting and who are foster families. I love that. I love that on any given Thursday night, we know, I don't know how many pizzas we need because if the Isons or the Hawks show up, that's like 30 kids right there. And they come marching in. They got their like monstrous sized white vans. I love it. I love it. I want to just thank you families for what you do for the life of our church. We benefit from that. These families are close to the heart of God. They are blessed. They are blessed. And we get to experience that blessing. I love that there's times where they're having a foster kid for a certain period of months. And during those months, they're going to come and get involved in the life of our church. And we get to know them. And they get to hear about Jesus. And they get to make friends. And they, this, for this season of their life, Homestead Church was a part of their life. I love that. We are blessed because of their obedience. So today, perhaps, maybe God's knocking on your heart saying, maybe you could adopt or you could foster and that's a big step. And I know it's not, well, I don't think, I'm not saying everybody needs to. And maybe you're saying, well, if God ever told me to, I would. But here's the deal. He kind of already has, right? He kind of already has. We got people who could care for the orphan, who could care for the widow, who could foster, who could adopt. So perhaps God's knocking on your heart. Loving our neighbor, caring for the poor, meeting needs in our community. This is what we are about as a church. This is what we're about as a church. I've highlighted a couple key things. We're a community. We do this together. We're all involved. We spur each other on. We're about growing in our faith. We don't want to just coast. We don't want to just stay where we're at. So we're a community of people who helps each other grow in faith and we meet needs. We meet needs wherever they are, in Farmington, in Minnesota, around the world. This is what we are as a church. This is what will make a big impact in our community, and this is the way for our souls to thrive. And everybody said, amen.
Amen. Now, here's the, here's the truth of this. There are highs and lows. I've talked to the Hawks family. There are highs and lows fostering, adopting. If you've adopted, you know there are difficult times. Even with Lucy in Africa, there are highs and lows for her. She would probably not feel the heartbreak of that five-year-old boy who didn't have any food if she wasn't there. So the point what I'm saying is it's easy to think, well, I just don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could take, sure, the highs are great, but I don't know if I could take the lows. I don't know if I could take the saying goodbye or, or walking through the difficult circumstance. When you care for those in need, there are times where it does not go easily. When you adopt, there are seasons where it is not easy. I know very little about what it's like to foster. Just from talking to the hawks and the isons, there are times where it is hard. There are times where you have to say goodbye to a kid that you know is going back to a really difficult home. There are the highs and the lows, the joys and the pains, and it's so easy for us to think, I don't ever want to experience that, so I'm just going to insulate myself. I'm just going to kind of hide in my bubble so that I don't have to deal with any of that tough stuff. I'm just going to protect myself. It's very common for us to think, I just want to protect myself from any of that pain that I have to go through. Um, I was talking to Lucy, just text message. Lucy, as a job, when she's here, she works at a group home for disabled adults, special needs adults. It's a live-in home where she works. And I get such a proud dad moment when I see her caring for these adults who need help. And one of the residents who was really close to her actually passed away yesterday. And, uh, and she, you know, she's in Africa. She texted and said, we're really sad this particular resident passed away. There's pictures of him and her on the, on the wall in her room at home. And so I know Lucy's heart is heavy today for that resident. But here's the deal. She's walking through a time where she feels, the, feels that low. But I'm so glad that she's living to care for other people. That's the thing I'm proudest about when I look at my kid. Sure, she experiences some of the heartache, some of the pain, but man, she experiences the joy that comes, the picture that she has on her wall. She's smiling bigger than this resident is. She is receiving so much because she's involved in the heart of God around the world, caring for those who need help. There's going to be highs and lows, and as much as there's a temptation to just protect ourselves, Maybe you have tried to help somebody and you got taken advantage of and you got hurt. I know when we move into our building, there's going to be times where we try to reach out to our community and we're going to get taken advantage of. That's fine. There's going to be those times. There's going to be times where we try to help and it just doesn't go like we thought it was going to go. But here's the deal. For our soul, for our church, and for our community, as soon as we turn selfish, as soon as we turn inward whether it's individually, as a church, as a community, that's when we wilt. That's when we begin to die. When we become inward and selfish, that's when our souls begin to wilt. That's when our church begins to die because selfishness is a soul crusher and it's also damaging for a church as well. So we're leading into this season where we're going to have a building. We're going to have lots of opportunity to impact our community. And I need your help. I need your help. This cannot be, well, we're just going to cheer Pastor Jeff and Christiana as they meet the needs of the poor. Go, pastors. We can't do that. We need you to help. And sure, we need you to support the church financially so that we can help. And we need, but here's what I need. I need people who have specific things on their heart to say, you know what, we could do this. Here's a need that we could meet. It could be adoption, fostering. It could be food shelf, supporting the Farmington food shelf. It could be helping in any number of ways. Inner city ministry. There's an ICCM church that we know the staff well. 
They have community outreach days where we can take teams down there to help serve the poor in inner city Minneapolis. There's all sorts of things we can do, and I need people who could say, you know what, I want to be a part of this, and I want to lead the charge in this, to lead and develop teams and say we can make a difference. God's going to put that on your heart. Young to old, we can make a difference. And so if God's putting that on your heart, let's go. Let's do it. I see our building as, I mean, we're excited about the building. We're excited about having a home for our church. It's going to be great. But it can't just be about us. This has to be a lighthouse in our community where we say, you know what, after-school programs, we can help kids with homework. We can help the elderly population in Farmington. There's a, two apartment buildings really close to our new building that they could use some help. They could use, especially with the grocery store closing, they could use some help. People going over there just helping them order groceries online or taking them to the grocery store. There is a, a group of people that do a prom for special needs students. And Christy's always had this on her heart, and I think it would be great if our church building was like the host site for like South Twin Cities special needs prom. That would be a great night, wouldn't it? That would be so fun to be a part of. So these are just a few things, but I'm saying this. The point of this is this. Healthy soul, healthy church, love your neighbor as yourself. Care for those in need. Care for the poor. Care for the orphan and the widow. I need your help. So that's collectively what we can do. But as I wrap up in the few minutes I have left, I wanted to talk about individually, here's what we can all do to kind of foster this heart of God in our life, okay? As we wrap up our series, here's how we're wrapping it up. Individually, here's something we can all do. Just begin to live generously, more generously. Loosen your grip on your life. What I mean by that is we get so anxious about just making sure everything in our little world is fine. i got to hold on to my resources and make sure this is safe over here and make sure everything's protected. And we just grab on so tight, and we just start feeling anxious about anything. Have you ever experienced that? I've experienced that. Maybe we could just simplify our lives a little bit. Not only would that enable you to help for the poor in a greater way, help the poor in a greater way, but your soul will thank you. Ever notice the level of anxiety goes up with the more stuff you get? We experienced that in Farmington, if you're on the Farmington Community Facebook page, when Farmington announced, unfortunately, that they're not doing neighborhood cleanup day anymore. Farmington was one of the last communities that did the one day a year. You could throw anything on the curb, with a few exceptions, and the, and the recycling and trash people would come and take it. Most of it was gone because other people from other neighborhoods would come and see it as like a free buffet garage sale. And so they'd be like, hey, you got any toys in there? And I'm like, no, this is literally my, my garbage. But it would be like a pile of stuff. And Farmington's not going to be able to do that anymore, budget reasons. Well, the outrage on Facebook was something else. You would have thought... And it took, I was a well-behaved pastor, you'll be glad to know. I refrained from going on there, because what I wanted to say was, take care of your own crap. You know, like get, if you've got garages full of stuff that you need the city to get rid of, maybe you got too much stuff. And that's what I was thinking about as I was writing that sentence in my notes today. When we get too much stuff, our life just gets cluttered and our anxiety goes up. We have too much stuff. They're building the giant U-Haul self-storage thing down on County Road 50. We got whole billion-dollar industries that are there just to house our extra stuff, our junk that we don't need. There's auction sites I go on. Again, my wife is very happy I did not do this, but it's almost like storage wars where you get a picture of a storage unit filled with somebody else's junk, and you can bid on it, but you don't know what's in it. And of course, I'm thinking, 
treasures, right? But it's probably just old bicycle parts or something like that. Yes, hey, let's bicycle parts. We have too much stuff, and one indicator that something is off or out of alignment in your soul is when you're not content with anything you have, and you need more, and you need newer all the time. And our economy in this country is built off of that. Your phone is two years old, get rid of that old thing and get a new shiny one, right? When you're not content, and this message is not about not having nice stuff, okay? This message is about the health of our soul and caring for the poor in the world. Right? But if your soul is all about new and more, then something's out of alignment. Because a healthy soul comes when we trust God and we stop holding on so tight to our resources and our possessions and our little world. Right? We change the flow of resources. What we do as people of faith is we say, I'm not going to be like hungry, hungry hippos and trying to get as much as I can for myself. What we do is we say, as a person of faith, God, you've provided for me in the past and you've promised to provide for me in the future. So I'm going to receive resources from you and flow them out to people who need it. And as we do that in obedience, God says, I can trust you. So here's more resources and we are able to flow those out to other people in a greater way. That is what I want to see in our church. That's what I want to see in my life. That is the key to the heart of God and to a healthy soul. It is the secret sauce. It's how it's supposed to work. It's how we are obedient to him. It's how we are blessed and we receive. It's how we rid ourselves of fear when it comes to money and possessions. Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. Read that again. A generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. That's what I'm talking about today. We tend to think in our world, the more you give away, the less you have. But what the Scripture tells us is that when we give things away, that's when we prosper. Not just materially. This isn't name it, claim it, although we trust God that he's going to provide for us. But a generous one will be prosperous in every way. He who pours himself out for others will be nourished. That's what that means. He who waters will himself be watered. When your life is the outflow of help to others, you thrive. That's how it works. I know it goes against our way of thinking in our world. But when you are flowing to help others, you thrive, you are blessed, you are nourished, and your soul is alive. I want to close with one scripture in Isaiah. It is one of my favorite scriptures. This is a time when God is fed up with the Israelites in the Old Testament. One of the many times God is fed up with the Israelites. And what's happening is the Israelites collectively are pretending to be all religious. They're doing all the religious ceremony things. They're fasting and they're following the rules and they're doing all the different things that you're supposed to do. And yet they're mistreating people. They're mistreating their workers. They're not caring for the poor or the widow. And I love this passage of Scripture because God is fed up. God is fed up. And he says, great. I mean, I assign the sarcasm, but maybe God's a little sarcastic. Great. All you religious people are doing all the religious things, but you, you haven't noticed the poor. You haven't cared for those who are in need. You're selfish, and all you're doing is the things that make you look religious. And so this is God's response, specifically talking about fasting. He's saying, I, you, 
I'm tired of you fasting, go without food for a day, and then mistreating people. And then he goes on to say in verse 6 of Isaiah 58, this is his response. We can throw that up there. Isaiah 58, verse 6, it says this. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? So in other words, God is saying, skip all the religious stuff. Here's what I would much rather you do. Here's a fast that I would much rather you do. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke. So the yoke is the thing that they would put on the back of the animals to plow the field. We're not talking about eggs and yolks, okay? Just so we know. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke or oppression or burdens, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. It is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wanderer with shelter? Next verse. When you see the naked, clothe them, and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And I made this one bigger and underlined it. Then, everybody say then. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Next slide. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. The Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, in other words, if you stop worrying about the religious stuff so much and start caring for those who need help, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Next slide. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. What an amazing passage of Scripture. If you will care, this is what God is saying, if you will care for those who need, who are in need, if you care for the poor, the widow, those who are experiencing, experiencing injustice, those who have gone through traumatic experience, if you will care for them, then you'll hear from heaven, right? That's sobering words. Then, almost like God is saying, and only then will you hear from God. And only then will you be like a well-watered garden. You will be prosperous. God will bless you. I love the words in a sun-scorched land when we feel weary and dry and tired. We need that nourishment from God. What he is saying is, Care for the poor, and you'll be like a well-watered garden, always nourished, always prosperous. So are you feeling stuck or anxious or far from God? Are you, are you living the kind of faith that is close to his heart? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, I just feel like God's far away, and I keep trying to do all these religious things. I go to church every Sunday, and God's saying, just change your perspective and care for the poor. Change your perspective and love your neighbor as yourself, and then you're going to just experience blessing from heaven. You're going to experience a whole new heart because you are close to the heart of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. This goes right along with the greatest commandment to love God. The whole scripture can be summed up. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, today, imagine for a moment that you are the single mom with no way to provide for your kids. Imagine you're the girl in Nepal that Christy was talking about, coming out of a lifetime of abuse and just trying to move forward in life. 
Imagine you're the one who is sick with no access to clean water or medicine. Imagine you're that homeless five-year-old Zambian boy just looking for something to eat. These are the stories that are around our world today. So imagine you're in that position and then think, how would I like to be cared for? How would I like someone to help? How would I like the prosperous, that's us, to help? Love your neighbor as yourself. Our souls are designed to thrive when we care for others. And that's the whole point of this series as I wrap up. The whole point of the series was this. If you're unhappy, if you're unhealthy, if you're unfulfilled, if you're depressed or anxious or bitter, if something's wrong in your soul, don't just get used to it. Don't just medicate it or try to cover it up. Maybe that's a sign to make some changes. Don't just accept it. Make some changes. And changes you make today over the next year, over the next 10 years, could yield amazing fruit, a whole new heart, a whole new soul in your life. So today, if you're happy or unfulfilled in your life, today's message is this. Perhaps it's because it's all about you. Reach out, serve, give, love. This is God's call for each of us. It honors God because it's close to his heart. It helps those who are in need because they need help. And it fills us with joy because it's the secret sauce to a healthy soul. Amen? Let's close in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your heart that is close to those who are down and weary. And maybe there's some of those here today And I pray that you would be close to them, and I pray that as a community of believers, we could rally around them and help in any way we can. I pray your blessing on the families who are adopting and fostering and doing that hard work of caring for those, caring for the orphan, caring for those who need help. I pray your blessing on their families today, that you would pour out for them, that they would be prosperous in every way, they would be be like a well-watered garden, nourished in every way from you. I pray for all of us that we would recognize how fortunate we are, and first of all, that that would lead us to have hearts of contentment and gratitude because of how you have provided for us. May we stop looking at all the things we want and just recognize you have been good. May we simplify our hearts and our lives just to be more grateful for what we have and realize that we can have more to spend on others who are in need. I pray that collectively as a church, especially in the next couple of months as we move into our, move into our new home, that we would be a lighthouse of people who are in need, that you would just help us do the, the hard work at times of just caring for those who need help. And I pray that you would just stir that up in each of us. So we want to honor you in every way. We want our souls to thrive and be healthy. We want to be more like you and your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.